everyone. This is Pow, and I'm here with Mo. And today we are going to talk about Mars is joined the sixth house. But as we usually do, we will first start talking about the current astro weather. We'll go into announcements, and then we'll jump right to it. So, Mo, <laughs> where do you want to begin for the current astro weather? Oh my God! So I know it's been a long time since we've caught up with everybody, but I feel like so much of the last, I want to say six weeks, has been characterized by this like Mars-Saturn square energy, and then this Mars, Uranus, Rahu. What was that name they were giving it? It was like Uranum. They like gnashed it together. I... And it sounded like a scary anime character. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear that name. I think the only thing I saw about the transits this month was I think Christopher Chow was like, what are we calling or we're calling this? And someone was like, oh, it's like fix fuckery. Or maybe he was the one who said it. And I'm like, yeah, no, that's what it, it was. It is. <laughs> totally. It totally is. Um, and I, I really felt like, yeah, no, that like unstoppable force meets immovable object plus people being um really volatile energy was like especially loud for that um august 1st uh conjunction of like you know the, the north node uh uranus and mars like it was funny how uh nancy pelosi ended up going to taiwan <laughs> literally like during that trip and it's just like why would you do that yeah <laughs> I know. She clearly does not have an astrologer. If she does, it's not a good one. But I yeah, I, I, I did I do think it's timely that we're finally recording this now that Mars has ingressed into Gemini, because I do think mm -hmm. the Mars and Taurus was causing a lot of we, we kept pushing this back, right? And it is what yeah. it is. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting because I feel like it's also Mars like setting us up for like you know, the next seven months of its time in Gemini. So I remember when we recorded the 2022 episode, we were saying really pay attention to what happens during Mars and Taurus, because not only will it have echoes of, you know, January 2021, um, because of like all the aspects it was making to Saturn. But, you know, it's the last sign that um, Mars will fully transit before it spends seven months in Gemini. Mm. And so I felt like for a lot of fixed sign placements, like both sitting in my consultation chair and like in my personal life and also just myself, like there was a lot of like, mm, there's some shit that needs to go. Um, and I really felt like with Mars, like transiting the second decan and third decan of Taurus, it was very much like, I'm asking for a lifeline. I need help to push through. And then like someone gave you like the finger essentially. And like you spent the last like, decade of Taurus just like okay what can I take from this because this is clearly not going anywhere it's not working how can I prevent this from happening again and so now it feels like with Mars like in Gemini it's like okay something didn't work out now it's like what set what seemed like um maybe like a hard no or like a rejection or a complete failure it's like okay no now I have the freedom to do something else mm. and it's just about exploring all of your options now what um you know we both have strong fixed sign placements hence the name of this pod but what, what's come up for you well changes in how i'm doing grad school um there's that um also just like really rethinking elements of like my practice and approach to astrology because you know mars does rule my ninth 
and um I don't know like I this is like kind of an announcement sort of so like I know I will be taking a hiatus during Mars uh retrograde but I think there's like different ways I want to do astrology so like mm-hmm. I thought I wanted to do like a like a tarot book project but I I think I think I still want to do that but like after teaching a workshop on um relationships so I taught that Davison uh relationships course with um Anak the practical astrologer and I really liked it and you know what I think that like I actually want to like write something about like the astrology of relationships and I want to do that more because mm. I had a lot of fun building that workshop um doing the research for it like I think it's something that I'm gonna like actually do so that was something that did come up for me yeah um but yeah no like I was just like (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh my god it sounds it it sounds very fitting for the fact that Mars rules your ninth house whether that's grad school or thinking about writing a book right like both of those things fall Mm -hmm. in that house which we'll talk about in our um you know joy the um, joy of the sun episode yeah yeah but yeah, for me, so Mars rules my seventh house and twelfth house, and my solar return was just last week, and so I'm now in this twelfth um, house Aries year ruled by that Mars, and it's absolutely been relationship stuff. And I think, long story short, I think it's like for me, I think it's really actually like you know tr- trying non-monogamy. And it's just so funny that Mars is going to be in Gemini now until March because, you know, so loud. <laughs> yeah, it's very, very fucking loud. So I will we'll see how this goes. <laughs> no, that's that's really exciting. I mean, what's funny is that um, Mars is going retrograde in my perfected house. So I'm in a Gemini year and um, my seventh house ruler is in Gemini. Um, but. Yeah, no, I'm like kind of concerned for me because I I just know that so much of my experience of like where I'm living and where I'm located is affected by my relationships. It's something that also was going on for my parents as well, just mm. because of funnily enough, like, you know, they were both people who got doctorates and they had to move to different parts of the country to finish their studies. And like, you know, that that was very much like my growing up experience. And so it's interesting now that I'm an adult, I get to like live out something vaguely similar. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah. So yeah. Oh, were there any, was there anything in the current astro weather that you wanted to touch on first? Um, current astro weather wise, I know we have a new moon in Virgo coming up. Yes. Isn't that this week? or is it this week or is it not oh god no i think it's this week yeah you're right it is this week the sun moves this week um yeah like i i I don't know i'm really excited about this new moon personally because you know it's in my seventh house yes it's the first new moon square mars and that might not be fun for people but you know as someone who is a sun square mars person like this is my wheelhouse um And I feel like what's nice is that the sun is in its own decan and it's all about, you know, like kind of finding your purpose or your role. 
in something like so that you can help like some kind of process along and I don't know I feel like this is a good time to like if like there's a project you wanted to start maybe a relationship you need clarification on like I think like this new moon will be really good for that and I feel like Mars might be like providing the sense of urgency to like do something that you've been putting off I, you know, new moons are tip generally supposed to be good times to start new things, plant seeds, all that stuff. But I do think this one especially is pretty good for that kind of thing for the most part. Is this, this one still has Mercury in Virgo, right? Or did it move into Libra already? Oh, uh, I need to check. I think it's, I have to check. Hold on. I think it's like. Mercury just dips into Libra, if I remember correctly. I know, like, I'm, like, trying to the check The moon goes quick. in, but, like, before the actual, like... Um, yeah, it's August 27th. Is yeah, this... yeah, no, uh, Mercury's in Libra by that point. Trining the Mars, yeah. I mean, I still like Mercury in an air I sign. like Mercury in Libra. Yeah. I do. Yeah. Mer- Mercury does well, um... You know what? Also, with that first decade of Libra, it's, like, giving voice to, like, maybe some problems people have been having or some disparities that people have noticed. So, like, Mm -hmm. it's very much, like, good for, you know, orienting and trying to, you know, create consensus or, like, some kind of agreement with people. I don't know. I I agree. Like, I I think it could bring clarity on certain things, whether that's because you're talking it through with someone or hashing it out, or you're just sitting with yourself and just like thinking through these mm-hmm. things. So I do like that. Um, I would say the one thing about this new moon <laughs> um, is that Venus is also squaring Saturn that same Wait, it's day. A, it's opposing. I'm oh, sorry, opposing, my bad. Yes. But it's squaring Uranus. <laughs> yeah, but squaring Uranus. Uranus. Oh God, I get, I'm like, I'm getting so What's lost that? in this T-square. <laughs> it's horrible, right? <laughs> it's like which way is what it all sucks that's all i know it's this hard aspects galore um but yeah i mean venus i i don't um i don't completely hate venus saturn hard aspects because sometimes they can bring venusian things whether it's like relationships or creative projects um to these almost like come to Jesus type moments mm-hmm. um like sometimes yeah people get worried like oh is it going to be a breakup but it also could really solidify a commitment, too. I mean, but, like, you know, as something that I've had to realize for myself the last couple of weeks is that sometimes, like, a breakup is necessary for you to get what it is that you really want. Especially right. because Venus conveys so much about desire. Mm-hmm. And, like, if you're in a situation where you're constantly, you know, being rejected or forced to fundamentally alter what it is that you want, just for the sake of like having a relationship i do feel like certain elements of like venus making these hard aspects like while having this new moon in virgo um square mars and all that like i think that this is a time to kind of like reclaim and recalibrate what you want instead of like just going along with things for the sake of having a connection exactly i like it i think um i don't know if you saw this is so jumping ahead but um, I don't know if you saw Patrick Watson's tweet about September 2023 having that Venus Jupiter trine that Yes, <laughs> I saw that and I was like 
why am I not getting married under that configuration? <laughs> that looks so good. I'm very excited for it because I'll be in a first house Taurus year by then, ruled by that Venus. And it's funny, actually, because he also references, you know, the Venus-Jupiter conjunction in July 2015 or July-August 2015. Um in Leo, and that's that's when I had that's when I got married. <laughs> I, clearly, that marriage didn't work out, but it was a very happy time. <laughs> oh my god! Wow. Yeah. Okay. But no, I bring it. I'm oh, sorry. Wild. Yeah, I bring it up in this context just because you know it's it's important when you're looking at any planet, but in this case Venus, it's like always oh, like nice when you're thinking of like okay, it's oh no, it's an opposition, but it's like oh, think about the rest of its cycle as well, like you know those sextiles as trines as squares that venus will have with this saturn yeah no that's that's pretty exciting though like i'm really excited to see like what happens during that time but you know i wish we would talk more about like venus jupiter cycles because i know we tend to talk about like you know the scary ones but i feel like there's some interesting like you know light things that do happen mm -hmm. um when those two planets are like in these like different aspects to each other right right and patrick was like i think when he tweeted that he, he in the thread he was like oh i wonder what kind of like gigantic celebrity wedding will happen in september that like everyone's gonna freak out about <laughs> i mean for me i think uh okay so i have a theory that um the Cambridges are going to split up during this uh, transit because it's it's a uh, Williams Time Lord going retrograde in his seventh. <laughs> and last time, last time that uh, I think it was 2007, 2008, when I think the retrograde started in Cancer, but it ended in Gemini. And um, he and Kate did split up for a bit. Um, oh, yeah. But then they got back together. Uh, so but I was like, this is like more intense because it's like, I think it's stationing near his descendant and then um, Mars stations direct on his Mercury, which rules his seventh. So I'm like, mm. <laughs> and then like, I think what it's like Jupiter and Taurus. So like that would be Jupiter and Taurus for him. Right. Uh -huh. And so, and he would be in the Taurus year by then. So I'm like, would he be getting remarried? Question mark. Or like, would they be like, recommitting to each other yeah I don't know. <laughs> oh my god well you heard it here for first folks <laughs> yeah Just speculation but yeah i mean do you have any other announcements like, before we jump into it i'm gonna try to release this podcast episode sooner than later so when folks hear it i think it'll be before i go to isar but yeah my announcements i'll be there so if any of you Ooh. listening are there come say hi sit next to me as we in the different workshops that we're watching like feel free to reach out if you want to work out with me because i'm definitely going to need to go to the gym <laughs> during that time and i found a powerlifting gym that's like a five ten minute drive away let me know but that's that's my main announcement oh um and i was also i was a guest on the homebody podcast which gave a forecast for the month of august that's a little bit irrelevant now so but if you want to listen to it and just hear a retrospective of august you can or the end of <laughs> august 
And then I, um, very soon I should be on Shahir's podcast on like, he's doing a series on Venus. And I saw that. Yeah. Speaking to different astrologers who have Venus in the different signs and, you know, and so I have Venus in Leo and apparently I was the first guest who also has Venus as chart ruler or ascendant ruler. (laughs) So it was nice, but that should be out soon. Yeah. What about you? Um, aside from I'm going on a hiatus starting Halloween. Um, so if you want to book with me, do it ASAP. Um, let's see. And I would probably keep my books closed until maybe mid January, just to honor Mars going retrograde and focusing on other things he wants me to focus on. Um, other things that I have I mean, I don't have anything with concrete dates, but I did do a workshop back at the end of July with Anak, the practical astrologer on um, the Davison chart. And it was like kind of the first in a what we hope to be a series on the Davison chart. And so if you miss that workshop, it's available for purchase on my website, astraltour.com. Um, so yeah, uh, other than that, like, I'm probably just going to be like trying to write more blogs, um, trying to be a little more active on Twitter, communicating with you guys. So even though you won't get to sit in my consultation chair for like four months, like you'll still hear from me. So, yeah. Love it. We'll continue to be doing this podcast, I'm sure too we still have a we still have a few more joys to go over as well as the houses that do not have joys. Yes. Yeah. So okay. So great. Let's talk about Mars and its oh. joy in the sixth house. <laughs> Listen, I have been waiting to talk about Mars and its joy. And I think it's so timely that we're doing this, like when Mars is about to like spend a lot of time in a particular sign. Um so uh I don't know, like I think we should just start with like I guess the sixth house. Um so Mars, like um, Venus and the moon, has its joy uh, in the bottom half of the charts because it's a nocturnal planet. Mars rejoices in the sixth house, um, and it's a cadent and declining house. Um, Noting that the sixth and the twelfth are considered um, the most difficult houses, um, and you'll notice that quickly that Saturn is rejoicing in the twelfth, which is opposite the sixth. Um, The sixth house is called, I don't know how to pronounce that. Um, (laughs) Do you? No, okay. I've been saying it in my head, Kaketuche. <laughs> That's what I would say, but I'm not sure. <laughs> Which is bad fortune. So um, I feel like now that we've already kind of discussed like Venus, because I feel like with the first two joys, uh, I would say that the moon, even though I'd say the moon is slightly benefic. And I think for sometimes in the Vedic system, Mercury is slightly benefic. Like they're pretty neutral planets mm-hmm. for the most part. Um, when we got to Venus, we kind of got to a planet that kind of had like a particular like flavor. So it's like we had a planet that was obviously a benefic. Now we have a planet that is obviously a malefic. And so I know like people tend to think, oh, malefic is evil, bad. I mean, Yes, but no. Like, I mean, it's like, what's nice about astrology is that we have different symbols and different archetypes to convey the wide range of, um, you know, the human experience. And so I think that having a planet that represents certain difficult but necessary things that we 
either need to enact or are subjected to um, is very useful. Yeah. And I was telling Mo this before we hit record, but I just got Demetra George's Ancient Astrology Volume 2, and which focuses heavily on the houses. And I was I was telling her that I was very excited that because I've, I've read um, I've read up until like the seventh house chapter. And so I've read all the chapters for the houses we've already went over and I felt very proud of us that a lot of what we covered in our podcast was in is in Demetra's books. I'm like, OK, we, we got this like we, we know <laughs> we know our houses <laughs> and the joys. And so um, but yeah, now it, but it is cool that I have this now because like I can make references to it as well to just help all of us understand the sixth house more. And so even, um, you know, she mentions in her book that there there there's a myth of the goddess Tuche, which, you know, Fortuna as Zeus's daughter and also mentions um, a part in Homer's Iliad where Zeus supposedly has two urns and one of the urns has good fates and one of the urns has bad fates and only gods. And then, and then, yeah, when, when, when people or gods or beings are born, he picks up like a mixture from those two urns to like give, to someone and only gods can have only good fates whereas humans will very likely get a mixture of good and bad but humans also can get only bad fates too (laughs) and so um that's really interesting to me even just thinking about the difference between the fifth house of good fortune and then the sixth house of bad fortune because um I get when I try to imagine this mixture of good fates that Zeus could potentially bestow upon you. I do think of these fifth house things, right? Like children and leisure and luck. Whereas I, when I think of like the bad and possible fates that Zeus can bestow upon you, it, I often think of things that are in a lot of ways out of our control, like in illness and injury and other kinds of misgivings. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense, like, and I love how a lot of the, I guess, like, the misfortune or the bad fortunes that befall people um, when it comes to, like, the sixth house, there's lots of, um, I feel like compared to, like, the twelfth house, there's a lot more, like, bodily sort of um, indications or, um, you know, things that are related to, like, you know, toil, exertion, um, exhaustion, or how, like, the things around you are affecting your body, um, I guess, in a more negative way. Whereas I feel like, you know, the 12th house, it's got more of this, um, maybe more abstract. Um, it's just like way more abstract. And I feel like it's more of this, like, uh, maybe psychological, spiritual sort Mm -hmm. of misfortune, if that makes sense. Or like maybe the like the social circumstances because like you know the way we socialize with each other is more of this abstract thing yeah and i do i think we mentioned this in the fifth house episode where we were talking about fortune's association with the body like even when you think about the difference between the lot of fortune versus the lot of spirit a lot of, when you're doing zodiacal releasing for example the lot of fortune um often indicates these circumstances that tend to be out of her control. And a lot of that is going to be bodily experiences, like whether that's good or bad health. Whereas the lot of spirit tends to encompass 
the things that we have a lot of control over. So career tends to be a big one that comes up. And so when I think about the misgivings of the sixth house versus the 12th house, um, I think a lot about how people characterize the 12th house as the house of self undoing, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like the kind of ways we self-sabotage ourselves. Whereas yeah. um, not that that can't happen in the sixth house, but it, the sixth house, when I do, I, I do often associate the sixth house with, yeah, these are going to be like the accidents and the illnesses mm-hmm. that, you know, there's only so much control you have over those things. Right. Right. And I find that like, even if you think about like how the sixth house has the connotations of like work and employment, it's something you have to do because somebody is like either telling you to do it or like, you know, there's an external force that's like forcing you to like do it. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas like the 12th is kind of like, mm, you kind of did it to yourself. Cause like, even though it doesn't see, it doesn't see the ascendant, it's like got that proximity to the ascendant so there's almost like this this control that like you have whereas like if you think about it the sixth is um 12th from the seventh which is other people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah i um yeah just to scale back so so far we've already talked about some of the six house meetings we've discussed are illness and injury um you're bringing up work in a bit but just even going back to illness and injury i just think about how you know, both the first house and the sixth house have associations with the body, but it does seem like the first house is typically more like our vitality and our overall health, whereas the sixth house can be more of these unfortunate things that could happen to us, like illness and injury. I do think it could also include the different kinds of regimens that we have to do in order to take care of our bodies. But again, there's like, there's only so much like, you can exercise and like eat as healthy as you can, but like, you know, nothing can fully prevent an accident or an illness or sometimes even injuries. Exactly. Yeah. And I do think you're right that it just, I I think it has a lot to do with just like the relationship with the ascendant. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I love how like you also bring up um, the um, relationship between the sixth house and employment in our notes, because if you look at a lot of the ancient texts, it's more so like about slavery or labor. So like if you're somebody who owned slaves, like the sixth house would describe the people who work for you or like the people you own as property or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas like, as we've um, gotten rid of that institution as a practice, at least, you know, legal slavery i mean i'm not saying that slavery is not still a thing unfortunately in plenty of parts in the world but um it's not a legal commonplace practice so the relationship is more about like how someone relates to you know their employees or you know people who work in where you have a position of authority over them and you're in charge of their um labor. I mean, it does say things about coworkers, but I've been thinking a lot about um, a lot of people who've done great work on um, the sixth house, like Alyssa Osorio, who's like the Praxis Astrology. Mm -hmm. Um, They've done great um, workshops on the sixth house. And anytime I've sat in one of their talks about um, how the sixth house relates to labor and work, for some reason, I think of... um, 
I just think of like comrades, like brothers in arms, like people who are coming together for the purpose of solving a problem. Like that's, that's very much um, like sixth house. And so I think I thought it was interesting that in your notes and something I've seen in the charts of people is that um, there are themes around, you know, forming these sorts of coalitions, not necessarily like because you have like a deep relationship with somebody, but you're coming together for like this purpose that's almost like crisis driven. And it's almost like you mm. or die that you, you guys are um, working towards this um working towards this goal right it's very different than the relationship building you can see in the 11th house or sometimes even the third house i um demetra's book does talk heavily actually about the sixth house's um significations around military service to that that those significations have been noted since hellenistic times and you know even on the point of slavery like she does make some notes to that not only like let's say you're someone who's like getting a reading back then you know ancient greece you yeah you 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 know a lot of your questions could be around this your slaves but they would often ask questions themselves about like will i ever will i become a slave or when will my you know if or if you were a slave yourself like asking like when will i um be able to get my freedom like those kind of things and so um so when I think about that in like a modern context today where this legal slavery for the most part doesn't exist anymore I think that yeah like the sixth house can definitely encompass like if like let's say you have employees like that they would fall under there but it's also going to be your own working conditions as well and your own um servitude in this like wage slavery that we like live in today Mm -hmm. i um i do even though we don't have that kind of slavery anymore we like the capitalism most of us live in today is very much like i often say this that workplaces are dictatorships like you have you unless you have a union like you have zero say and you can get fired for literally anything like my sister got fired from a retail job because her manager didn't like the earrings she was wearing that day like you know there's just everyone has like insane stories like that and yet like we get so i'm I'm, now i'm about to go on a rant like we get so mad about how like the government so oh the government's controlling us and like making us wear masks and it's like what the hell like your workplace controls every part of your behavior every single day i mean when you're and especially i i saw like an article about this the other day about how you know capitalism has gotten so out of hand that um even when you're not on the clock or in your uniform you are still kind of like a it's almost like your property of your employer yeah, because if you're acting a certain way, it reflects on it reflects on you know who you're working for, and like, oh my god, we could have like a whole diatribe about how mm-hmm. like making um, branding a huge part of identity and like weaving your identity with like you know your work and your job and your profession has kind of like made this like get out of hand. But I mean, it's it's interesting stuff to think about for sure. Yeah. And then on your earlier point, too, about this sixth house being, you know, these coalitions that are fighting for a common cause, definitely like labor related ones like strikes and other kinds of labor disputes 
absolutely fall in the sixth house. But both Alyssa and I worked for the same labor union. And so I've had numerous discussions with them about like, we will, we'll just constantly see it in the charts of labor organizers, as well as like event charts too, of various mm. strikes and labor disputes, just like how strong the sixth house significations are. You know what else? Like, so I know, like, just thinking about like ancient times, a lot of times the purpose of having slaves was to like build, you know, great works, like, so like structures. Um, and something that I think about is also like engineering ingenuity. I feel like that's also a very um, sixth house thing that like, it's like, it's subtly there, but it's not like as um, emphasized in some descriptions. And like, there are a couple of chart examples I have of people who, you know, fit the bill for that. Mm -hmm. um, I'm excited to hear those examples. Um, so obviously, like small animals, like pets, um, fit in the sixth house. But you know, you, it used to be that like, pets served like a like a purpose. So it's like, your dog is supposed to hunt things or like help you herd cattle, um, or what have you, you know, the cats that domesticated themselves, because you know, I think cats are smarter than people. But, <laughs> um, you know, they figured out that if they, you know, kill pests for us, we would feed them. So, I mean, there's this whole, like, transaction of performing, like, a service that's, like, kind of implied. But, I mean, pets are still doing a service for us. They're, like, cute, and they're motivating us to go do work so that we can feed them <laughs> i agree and the, the emotional labor that they yes. for us <laughs> they've like just all even just their existence in memes it's like they have no idea how much like like content and emotional labor they're performing just no for us <laughs> literally no idea um and then i just wanted to address your comment on enemies because hellenistic and I think in the Vedic tradition as well, um, enemies is very much a sixth house topic. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting how medieval astrologers moved that to the seventh house. I'm wondering how much of that had to do with like it making sense for, I guess, horary, like in a horary context. I was um, thinking the exact same thing. It does make me, though, want to experiment with horary and, uh, and electional and looking at the sixth house ruler versus the seventh when thinking about something that would involve like an open enemy because that's a distinction too right is that mm -hmm. hellenistic astrologers put open enemies in the sixth and then sorry my nose is like say hidden enemies in the 12th which is again it just shows like that that yeah. axis of the sixth and the 12th house um but yeah, yeah I'm, I'm very curious to see how that would play out in horror I mean, auctional i feel like seventh is good for like a general catch-all like uh other people yeah but when i started thinking about the sixth house as uh open enemies just thinking about the charts of some people i know but also like my own chart it's like i find that the sixth house makes a little more sense that's just me but um not saying that like leos are my enemies because i actually have a lot of Leo <laughs> friends um it's just like with because i'm also someone who has mars and joy and we can talk about that in the in the leo section but 
thinking about like how my experience of like workplaces has been and bosses has been and like having Mars there is just like yeah no this makes sense I could see how this could be inimical I can see that <laughs> for me I have sixth house in Libra and my lot of arrows is there and so is my south no wait <laughs> so like are you like a big fan of like playing out the enemies to lovers trope in your love life because <laughs> that's what that sounds like <laughs> it... yeah it has it has happened <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wait a second. Yeah, I never really thought of it like that. But <laughs> um, but it's definitely, I mean, workplaces have like those lines for me often really blurred of just like mm -hmm. romance <laughs> coming into that, but also just open enemy type stuff too. And it has okay. been, I mean, I love Libras too, and I have a lot of like some a lot of my best friends have Libra placements, mm -hmm. so do the few open enemies that I can think of. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh, I feel like my enemies are all Virgos, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Low-key. Oh, oh boy. Before we jump into, um, you know, our chart examples, so I'm gonna just read what Valens says about Mars. Yes, um, please. And you will see like some of this coming up in the chart examples. Maybe not as extreme as this, but like it will come up. So Mars indicates force, wars, plundering, screams, violence, whoring, the loss of property, banishment, exile, alienation from parents, capture, the deaths of wives, abortions, love affairs, marriages, the loss of goods, lies, vain hopes, strong-armed robbery, banditry, looting, quarrels among friends, anger, fighting, verbal abuse, hatreds, lawsuits. Um, Mars brings violent murder, slashings, bloodshed, attacks of fever, ulceration, boils, burns, chains, torture, masculinity, false oaths, wandering, embassies under difficult circumstances, actions involving fire, iron, craftwork, masonry. So I feel like that's where some of that like engineering type work related mm. or like that um, invention, because I know a lot of the things we do use do involve some kind of like metal work. Um, in addition, Mars causes commands campaigns and leadership, infantrymen, governorships, hunting, wild game, falls from heights or from uh, animals, weird, weak, efficient <laughs> strokes. Um, of the body parts, Mars rules the head, the seat, the genitals. Of the internal parts, it rules the blood, sperm ducts, the bile, elimination of excrement, the parts in the rear, the back, and the underside. It controls the hard and abrupt of materials. It rules iron, decoration of clothing, as well as wine and beans. It is of the night sect, red in color and acid in taste. Um, so if you know anyone with lots of Scorpio and Aries influence that is obsessed with coffee or red wine, do not be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> Did you yeah. see there was a tw someone tweeted that there was some like research study or something that showed that 
people who like bitter taste are more like I think it was like malicious in nature was like what the actual quote said and then um, an astrologer retweeted it saying like just just call it Saturn okay <laughs> or in that, maybe your case Mars <laughs> that yeah that seems uh pretty that seems pretty loud to me um <laughs> But yeah, like we can jump into some of our examples. Yes, I'm excited about these. Just so everyone knows, Mo started the examples list and got most of these and did a really good thorough job. So I'm very excited to hear you go through some of these. But I put in some as well. I mean, so unlike the other ones we did, I'm going to keep these like kind of more short and sweet because I was like, there's so many people. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, so i like the aries mars group which we're going to start with because these are scorpio risings so mars rules their chart while Mm -hmm. also ruling the sixth um and i thought it was weird how i had a bunch of like aries 2 examples because that's (laughs) what i just kept finding and so um one of the ones that i can think of is priscilla chan who is the wife of mark zuckerberg so she actually has her aries um to Mars conjunct Venus, which rules her partner. And I know that she is a physician um, and they both started a um, foundation together. And I know that um, they a lot of their charity does center on um, promoting education, um, promoting scientific research and um, promoting things related to healthcare. So I thought that she was a pretty much like good example. Also like I'm thinking about the fact that uh, Mark Zuckerberg is her husband, who's like that debilitated Venus. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, she's like conjoined him and like influencing him. And so she's said to be very influential in his um, philanthropic sort of efforts. Yeah. Did you have you seen those recent like people are just trolling him for he released like the graphics of like what the avatars will look like in this like virtual reality (laughs) thing that like meta is trying to release but they look so cartoonish and everyone like the avatar it's a it's a it's one of him and it just looks so badly cartoonish it's like really like this is a virtual reality you're promising to (laughs) us (laughs) I can't like he's doing too much but um yeah no I thought it was interesting because a lot of her um a lot of her background is like being like a teacher someone who's into science somebody who like is into medicine uh I'm trying to remember if she's a so she's a night chart so um her Oh, that would make sense because then Mars is the first triplicity lord of her fifth house, which is like children. And a lot of her work does center around children. And, you know, she is like a pediatrician. So, like, I mean, it's kind of all like layering. Oh, that's interesting. And they themselves don't have their own biological children. No, they do. They do. Oh, they, they do. Have two. They have oh, two. okay. Yeah. Okay. It just took them, it just took them like for, because, you know, they were together forever. Then they got married. And then, like, they just kind of like spaced them out. But, like, yeah, no, they do have. Oh, damn. Kids. I had no idea. Two daughters. Two yeah. daughters. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Um, my next example is an Aries 3 example. Um, Reggie Bush. Um, <laughs> I rem- and he has his, um, he also has a Mars-Venus conjunction in Aries 3. And I just know that, I remember that when he was like in, um, when he was in college playing football, um, he was just like impressive. 
And I've noticed that there are a lot of like really impressive athletes or awarded athletes who do have um, placements in this particular Deccan. But I also do know that he did have a very public relationship with Kim Kardashian. I was just going to say that when you yeah, <laughs> and she's the debilitated very... Venus. She's the debilitated Venus. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, that's, uh, yeah, like their relationship was very um, public. And I think um, what was interesting is, I mean, their relationship didn't, it's funny because that Deccan is very um, short-lived. It's like short-lived relationships. And it's funny because his NFL career was really taking off. And um, she, I think she was also getting more famous or whatever, but, you know, it just didn't work out because like he was getting too famous and too busy. She didn't want to be basically just like a, you know, like a wife and like an NFL wife. So yeah. Yeah. No, I, <laughs> I remember that they were together for a couple of years. Like, and she was, it, it is crazy to think of just like how young she, both of them like were, they were at the both time. Pretty young, yeah. 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 And well, a lot has changed for Kim K since then. <laughs> I have no idea oh, what's going on with Reggie Bush these days. <laughs> Aside from him marrying someone who looks a lot like her. <laughs> wow. And having kids now. But yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. Um, one of my examples, this is, I'll do this one quick, is like the Marquis du Sade, where the word sadism comes from. He has Mars here in Aries 3 and, and wrote really heavily um, about sadism in sexual practice and so to me it just seemed like really really fitting um that this mars is in the sixth house rules the sixth as well and then my other example is prince so he has this mars in aries one and I, for some reason, I think his, like, the fact that this Mars rules his first house, to me, just really fits somehow with all the, you know, he's known for just his multiple name changes, right, including changing his name to a symbol, and when you look at the symbol, it's, like, it you, it looks like Venus, it also looks like Mars in there, like, it's very, it's very, very interesting, <laughs> um, and then I, he was, he's, he's a known, he was known to be an al a workaholic, a workaholic, wow. like he was just like, he really, really like obsesses and throws himself into his music. And one last like little fun fact about Prince, I guess when he was 11, he was interviewed by local news about the teacher's strike, like saying that he supports the teachers getting paid more. <laughs> No, that's that's like wholesome. I love that. Yeah. Um, so uh, I don't have any like there are other Aries examples, but I kind of want to jump to Taurus because I, I like the, the, the ones that we have. Yeah, so, yeah. Taurus Mars would be in the sixth house for Sag Ascendants, um, ruling the fifth and the twelfth houses. And so uh, my favorite example is Jamie Lee Curtis, who is a Taurus three Mars conjunct a lot of fortune. Um, and I just know that she got a lot of her start, um, acting in a lot of these horror movies. So uh, what was the one that's really famous that she was in? Was it, oh my God, I'm like blanking. Cause I, I literally just watched it with somebody and like, can't remember the title, but it was famous and it was a big deal. Oh my and God. I think of her as like the original, like scream queen. Oh, Halloween. <laughs> Halloween. Yes. Um, so her in the Halloween movies, like 
love that and i also love how she tends to play these like sort of um especially as she became an older actress and i remember she was in a lot of those comedies with like uh freaky friday and there were a couple of other ones she's always playing this like very badass like intense like woman but i i just think of her as like acting in some of these like horror thriller movies that kind of put her on the map like when she was young um my other example is kesha who has a taurus one mars opposite pluto and so with her it's kind of intense because i feel like that kind of maps onto her um ongoing issues with her former uh producer uh, I can't remember when that trial started, like when she first sued him for sexual assault. But um, I know that at one point during the height of a lot of those trials, when she was trying to get out of her contract with him, I think she was in either an Aries or Taurus perfection year. And what's interesting for her is that now she's in the 12th house. Um, she's in a 12th house perfection. So I'm wondering... Um, you know, what's going on for her in terms of like settling those um, lawsuits with him. Wow. Best of luck to her. That's those are good examples. Mine are in a similar vein to actually on just these like these kind of like these stronger woman figures. But Eartha Kitt has this Mars, but in Taurus too. And I mean, she's very much known for having like no chill. Like she has just these like epic interviews that still surface on Twitter, right? You know, just considering how old some of these like interviews are of just like, you know, her views about men and relationships. And um, there's one, you know, unfortunately kind of really hurt her career, but she um she apparently met the president um president johnson and his wife and she asked um the the wife asked um the first lady had asked eartha kitt about the vietnam war and eartha kitt responded that you know you're sending our best to go die and no wonder they are smoking weed and rebelling (laughs) and 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 apparently had made the first lady cry (laughs) in those comments and a lot of that then just it started becoming public like oh eartha kitt's like anti-war she's anti-patriotic and blah 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 so you know that's fucked up but I do like that one of her most famous songs is I Want to Be Evil. And it's like when you listen to the lyrics, it's about like, okay, like, you know, I'm, I have to be like this good girl image, but really like, it's, I hate it. (laughs) And I want to, I want to do like bad things instead. And, and I, you know, in terms of her acting, she's known for playing Catwoman and still to this day known for being one of like the most iconic Catwoman um actresses and and then she's also known for voicing i always forget her name but the the villain in the emperor's new groove <laughs> is very much modeled <laughs> off oh, of Isma. her yeah isma <laughs> which i love so that's eartha kit and then jennifer lawrence has mars and taurus three and you know she has a very prolific career at this point but i do think her playing katniss everdeen in hunger games is gonna be one of the biggest roles like she's ever done yeah that didn't that one put her on the map yeah it really yeah it really put her on the map um and the fact that you know it's this character right who has the who volunteers to be in this like 
game to the death that involves children. It's just really this like dystopia where, uh, and then yeah, the, and then that the the whole world building of the dystopia is there's all these districts that are forced to like labor and provide resources for like the two the capital and like the two wealthiest districts. Ooh, you know what? So it's funny because I feel like there's this undertone in like some of the types of characters that she plays where she's playing like sort of just um, either a rebellious person or a person who like inspires rebellion because I remember in the movie Don't Look Up mm-hmm. she was one of the like students of the scientist who like had discovered that basically the world's gonna end or whatever the fuck yeah. and um, I remember she was a very like belligerent antagonistic character in mm-hmm. that that's a good point because even you know even in um when she plays mystique in the Mm x-men series she plays this character who she has to make this choice between charles xavier or magneto and she ends up choosing magneto (laughs) um yeah so those are my taurus mars examples you, um, I didn't come up with any examples for Gemini Mars because you came up with so many that I can also speak on. So, okay, um, you're gonna have to help me out with some of them. I just was like, um, so the one that I'm probably gonna, the two I'm probably gonna speak on are Robert Kardashian Sr. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, the man who unfortunately helped all the Kardashians become a thing. Um, <laughs> he has his Mars in the second dem- decan of Gemini, which is like a decan that. Mars co-rules, um, conjoined his chart ruler, um, Saturn. Um, and what's funny is that Mars rules the 11th. Um, and he's known for being the one of the um, lawyers on the defense team for O.J. Simpson. And that's mm. kind of his claim to infamy, right? Mm. And it's funny because O.J. was one of his like best friends. And so he's like helping him fight this case. Um, and it's funny because it's him conjoined his friend. Um, what else? And I feel like there's also weird like family stuff going on, but I don't know. But the other example I had was Queen Elizabeth, who also has this um, second decan uh, Mars. And like not Queen Elizabeth II, Queen Elizabeth I. But it's funny that both of them are cap rising. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, I know. It's kind of scary. Yeah. Uh, with air Marses, like... <laughs> Because um, Liz, too, has um, Aquarius Mars conjunct Jupiter, but in mutual reception with Saturn in um, Scorpio. But uh, Queen Elizabeth I has, like, you know, the mutable madness going on. And I think about the fact that Mars rules her fourth house, which would probably be parents. Mm-hmm. And I think about the fact that her mother was beheaded. Yeah, yeah. Um, by her dad. And then I also think about the power struggle between her and her um, half-sister, um, Queen Mary, who would be ruled by that um, Jupiter and Sagittarius in the 12th. Yeah. And so, like, that whole competition between who would take over their dad's legacy when, you know, he died and, like, he failed to produce or have a male heir. Mm-hmm. So. I am, you know, like... I got to rebrush on like my history or like my memory of like this time in history. Cause I'm, I'm looking at the fact that this Mars rules her 11th house and I'm wondering now I'm like, Oh yeah. How was she able to ascend to power? Did she have like strong allyships or was it luck? <laughs> I mean, um, I, I really don't remember, but 
yeah, I, 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 I'm very interested in this. I kind of want to unpack this on my own. Yeah, no, I would like to totally love to unpack that. But no, like, I think it was funny because there's also just because Jupiter also has connotations of like, religion and spirituality. Mm-hmm. Like there was always this suspicion on behalf of her half sister, Mary, um, that, you know, maybe Elizabeth is like conspiring against her. Um, and I think they also had this tension or dispute over, you know, their belief system or their faith. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Actually. So. Yeah. I am reading now that like Elizabeth did have like a very strong like group of advisors who she like really trusted and like leaned on pretty heavily. So. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, um, we're like looking to her as like a like a beacon of hope to get away from like where mary was taking the country because a lot of people because remember their dad um did away with catholicism yeah (laughs) and mary was the product of um henry's marriage to catherine of aragon and you know she's catholic yeah so and then elizabeth is the product of his the reason why he wanted to um to divorce yeah. catherine so, so he could marry anne boleyn yeah. who is elizabeth's mother yeah um but no it's comical stuff like it's funny how you know her own sister imprisoned her because she's like you're conspiring against me you know so i feel like that's kind of loud yeah <laughs> for real um Um, next example i want to do i mean how much more do you know about sean connery than i do eh, what do i know about sean connery didn't he play um james bond or am i making that up (laughs) oh yes yes he (laughs) yeah he is like arguably like one of the best people often mention him as like one of the best james bonds of all time and like um yeah so you know and james bond obviously is just this archetype of this just like you know arguably toxic masculinity of this, yeah yeah super secret agent womanizer blah blah, blah. yeah <laughs> oh we do have naomi campbell who's a gemini 3 um conjunct <laughs> venus i mean it's a wide conjunction but still yeah um, and i i think it's funny how like i remember when Mars was conjunct Venus and Capricorn this year. I know there was a lot of talk about how, you know, people who have that conjunction can like kind of be maybe irreverent for things and kind of like provocative, maybe rude, um, Mm. but also just like really passionate and lusty. And I feel like that's very much part of her character. Like I know she's someone who's like, you know, struggled with drug addiction. She's someone who's had like a lot of, um, you know, like issues with like her staff and things like that. Um, But I also just think about the fact that like um, Mars does rule her 11th, kind of like um, Queen Elizabeth. And like, she's someone who is well-connected in spite of like, maybe being a little acidic, (laughs) being a little intense. I don't know there's also like a competitiveness with her because i remember like a huge part of her um modeling career especially after um tyra banks joined the scene because they were like you know the two most visible black models at the time like i think there was that whole thing that characterized her career unfortunately um yeah, yeah. 
I mean, it's messed up because the media definitely pit them two against each other, which is like so messed up. But I do think it's quite funny that, you know, when we're talking about the sixth house being open enemies and, um, you know, for her, since she's a cap rising, um, I'm sorry, sorry for her because, um, yeah, because she's a cap rising, that would mean Mercury rules her sixth house. Um, So that would put that Mercury in like her fifth house of Taurus. Um, So that's Tyra. (laughs) yeah that's so loud no that's actually very loud um and then i guess el chapo but like oh it's opposite his chart ruler didn't he like break out of prison or some shit oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh my god no yes he did Yes, yes, that is what he's, that's one of the many, many things that, like, he's known for. Um, I had just watched a, so there's a, there's a Netflix, like, docuseries called Dark Tourism, where it's, like, you could go around the world, and these are, like, kind of, like, the dark things you can, like, check out at places, but there was one episode where, I guess, in Colum- if you go to Colombia, where he was from, you can do, like, a whole tour of just, like, where he lived, where he conducted his orgies, where he would murder people. <laughs> um but yeah, it was very loud. But the, what was really interesting is to me that stood out was that the town, like, it, at least from what it seemed in this docuseries, it seemed like they really revere him. <laughs> like, he, they're not in any way ashamed that El Chapo is from there. I mean, okay, so from what I'm reading of his um, bio is that he had kind of like a um, really kind of difficult childhood where he was like abused a lot. Yeah. And so um, I think that um, because, you know, he dropped out of school early. um, He wanted to he needed money for things as well. So that's how he kind of fell into cultivating um, opium poppies. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, even there he was being mistreated. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe not getting paid enough for doing his part of the cultivation. Mm -hmm. And so. he ended up um, start, you know, joining up with his cousins or his family, haha, like Mars ruling the fourth, um, to basically start a marijuana business. And then, you know, there, there he goes. <laughs> he he, yeah. And to, on the point about his escapes, he escaped prison twice. <laughs> yeah, which is pretty wild. Oh my God, he also has Saturn and Joy. Yeah. <laughs> we could bring him up again for yeah, the and joy it's like okay like i was mistreated at work and by my family went to go do other shit made like a, a whole underground network of people who can sell illicit substances which i feel like you know this is mars being like peak malefic like being really shady um yeah yeah, <laughs> um, yeah but like i think that you know him having both malefics and joy is like a testament to his like um ability to build this sort of like drug empire mm-hmm. and um also uh you know escape prison <laughs> which is comical oh my god that's so loud um do you want to do the cancer mars series or yeah let's do that so karl marx has this mars and cancer his mars and cancer opposite jupiter and so as an aquarius 
rising, it rules his third house and his 10th house. Mm -hmm. And just the fact that, you know, he wrote the Communist Manifesto and Capital and, you know, all this theory about communism that, like, directly sparked the Soviet Revolution, (laughs) the, um, you know, inspired the Maoist Revolution, all sorts, you know, you could go on and on about the different Mm -hmm. revolutions. I forget who pointed it out. I think it was Nick Diggenbest on one of the most, one of his most recent appearances on, um, the astrology podcast and he said what's funny about marx is that the eclipse he was born under was actually visible in a lot of those countries that ended up adopting <gasps> communism oh my god which is insane <laughs> also it's funny because i was talking to another astrologer i think it was dan waits mm-hmm. who's funnily enough also in lars and joy um mm-hmm. in libra mm-hmm. um and we were talking about Mark, so it was like I felt like the Mars like enjoy synchronicity. It's like me and Mars enjoy him and Mars enjoy. We're talking about Marx. And I think like it speaks to Mars's um more like rebellious nature, but like I love that like his um Mars was in that third decade of cancer because it speaks to the perils of excess. Mm. How like maybe there are systems that prioritize people at the expense of others and how like this leaves people like, I guess, sort of disembodied. And it was coming from a place of like realizing the lack that people have. And I I know that people are like, Oh, Mars and cancer is depressed, but I feel like because Mars has that triplicity there. And I think his Mars is close to maximum fall. Um, Or it's like approaching maximum fall in cancer. And I think um, there was something that Marx was able to do with his writing and the way that he thought that really ca- like tapped into like a sensitivity that people have to lacking and mm. like not being in control of, um, you know, the fruits of their labor and, um, you know, being exploited and things like that. I feel like that, in, you know, you, you in your notes, you say that he also, so he has Jupiter and Capricorn opposing mm-hmm. this Mars yeah. as well. And that to me also just speaks a lot about just excess and lack and, mm-hmm. and the structures that make that so. But I mean, just some of the points I was making earlier about the six house significations of like, yeah, we live in a capitalist society where employers, aka capitalists, have like so much power (laughs) over most people and that these workplaces really do run like authoritarian regimes (laughs) so um and it does come back to like a lot of his theories around capital Mm -hmm. yeah i mean my next two examples like i was surprised so both zendaya and Lionel messi have um cancer three um mars conjunct venus Mm -hmm. Um, what's funny is for Messi is that um, he is a very decorated and well-respected um, soccer player. Didn't so, I just that, use him as an example for another? Doesn't he have another planet in joy? Oh, fuck. Yeah, we did. We did. Uh, I'm going to quickly look it up right now. It please. was the moon. It was either the moon or Mercury. I don't remember. No, it was actually oh. Venus. He has Venus in this joy. Yeah. In Gemini. What? Did I... <laughs> oh, shit. Right. Then what is his? Oh, his is conjunct something else then. His, oh, his um... moon. His moon is conjunct Venus. Oh. Yeah. Why do I have Cancer 3 
conjunct Venus. Maybe it's his... Does he have Jupiter in Cancer? He has Jupiter in Aries. I realized it's really similar to mine, actually, in Aries. What is on his Mars then? Like, what the fuck did I write? Oh, Mercury. He has Mercury retrograde on his Mars. Uh, okay, you know, that, that actually makes a lot more sense just because Mercury um, ruling the fifth. So I know a lot of people are like, sports is sixth house, but sports is meant for entertainment. So that's more of a fifth house thing, actually. Funny yeah. story. Um, so him being very um, decorated for his athleticism makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Zendaya has also has the Mars there, but she actually has Venus conjunct. Um, yeah. I, I don't know, like, I just think it's interesting that she's gotten a lot of um, attention for playing someone who's struggling with drug addiction on um, Euphoria. Yeah. yeah. I feel like that's a weird way of that um, playing out of it. I have not seen Euphoria, but yes, I've heard a lot about it. Oh I mean, my it's God, hard like, not to avoid the talk about it. It is surprisingly like her acting in it because it's like i know what's funny is that a lot of people say that people who act like not on stage but like on like screen Mm -hmm. tend to play characters that they are very similar to which is surprising because i'm like she doesn't seem like a drug addicted teenager or like i don't know like I mean, who knows, right? But the, 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 there's been a lot too. Or I, I've just been thinking a lot about how, um, you know, it was just a few weeks ago where Kiki Palmer was coming out being like, you know, why am I not getting this like same kind of popularity or attention? And that, you know, she's bringing up this colorism too, that, you know, they're yeah. both child stars. And yet, like, this is the kind of attention that Zendaya gets. And it's, it's, it, it is, you know, it, it, it does stand out. Like, Zendaya really has, whether that's like her agents or the way the media has really portrayed her, she has, up until Euphoria, has had this, like, more like this, like, good girl persona, right? Of like, okay, she played Mary Jane in the Spider Man series, and yeah. um, as well as just like her past, like, child star stuff. And then the, even the ad placement she gets is she gets like these, like, just ultra luxury, like, brands. Like, she does. Yeah. Um, and apparently, like, there's like a intensity to her as well. Like, um like i know she was in malcolm and marie like that like short thing that um she started with john david washington and Mm -hmm. like it was just like subtle but like it got such like it commanded such attention and you know what else like i feel like um something i noticed about some of the sixth house mars placements which will come up later is um there's a lot of like intensity or like this tendency to like go viral almost Mm. and like i feel like there's something about that where um you know she can command a lot of attention yeah though i do wonder if she has good relationships with her um with her co-stars because like i know sometimes like with the blind items that people will you know send in (laughs) apparently that's kind of not like she doesn't have the best relationships with them isn't she she, is she is she still dating tom holland (laughs) I don't know actually because that's one of her that's probably one of her most famous co-stars because he played Spider-Man she was Mary Jane but I find it really funny I I didn't know this about you know the, the allegedly how she is with her um her co-workers but 
I do think it's really funny that the memes that were coming up even in their relationship, right? Like, and yeah, they're lovers, but they're also co- like co-stars or co-workers is that like of like he's completely and just like utterly in love with her and like almost like worships her and she's just like very nonchalant with him. And it's just kind of like, okay. It's really <laughs> comical. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, let's see. I do. Um, can we talk about your Wayne Gretzky example? Yes. Cause I'm so glad you mentioned, cause you know, you mentioned Lionel Messi as just being this mm-hmm. like really excellent, um, high regarded athlete like so it was Wayne Gretzky people still regard him as the goat in hockey I mean he is though he is though because like when you look at his records it's no one comes even close to so many of the records that he got in the 80s (laughs) like you know it's been how many years but I also think it's really interesting that he we, we, we could bring him up again in the Saturn and its joy episode because yes <laughs> he is another it's funny to juxtapose him between him and El Chapo, El Chapo yeah. because it's just completely different scenarios where they, they both have malefics in their joy opposing each other but in the case of Wayne Gretzky someone who grew up with in a much better environment than El Chapo did um you know, ended up becoming this just like very, very popular hockey player who is um, constantly seen as like like a good guy. And um, and actually, you know, one of the things hockey is most popular for is the fighting. Right. And mm-hmm. Wayne Gretzky actually was like kind of anti fighting and like was, you know, really pushing for hockey to do less and less of that. Oh like, my the- God, that feels so Cancer Mars, though. Right. <laughs> Yeah, and um, and yeah, it actually has toned down. The fighting has toned down a lot since like the eighties and nineties, and I wouldn't be surprised if some of that was Wayne Gretzky's influence on the sport. Mm, makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, we can jump into our Leo Mars examples. I mean, so we have another decorated athlete, Tony Romo. Um, <laughs> used to be QB for the what the Cowboys um, yes long time for the Cowboys we Mars conjunct um Rahu so of course um but then we have a few people so I know we used Nipsey Hustle for like our last um because he had what Venus and Joy yeah he did have Venus and Joy um so he has a Leo Stellium but um he has his Mars in the second decade conjunct Mercury and I feel like some of that speaks to a lot of his attempts to you know, use his uh, skills around like rapping and prose and producing to like bring awareness to certain political issues, especially those affecting his community. So I feel like that was another way that um, that played out in his chart. Um, I'm sorry. No, no, you go ahead. You go ahead. Oh, so then I had, then we have George Clooney. Mm Who has his in Leo one? Uh, I always forget he's a Pisces rising. I always forget he's a Pisces rising. Um, and I feel like he's another one of those people who's always playing these um, suave, sultry characters that are like seductive, but like that are trying to con you out of things. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's very much been a part of his like. Yeah, like the whole ocean series. Yes, the whole ocean series. Yeah. What else is George Clooney in? He's in a bunch of other shit. It's he just got like, his start in like General Hospital, right? Was that the soap opera? It was definitely a soap opera. 
that he got that his sounds started. about right yeah i can't remember but yes yeah no that's <laughs> um i wanted to go back Wait, real was he on it with demi Moore? because she was on it too possibly yeah the, the- and she <laughs> also has the mars and joy Oh my god, I'm gonna like look this up. <laughs> but for those of you, I mean, I, I don't think I've ever watched an episode of General Hospital, but I do remember it like um being on, but it's just like a lot of it's ER type stuff, right? And like a lot of surgeries is what a lot a lot of people in coma is this what I remember. Yeah, but this. it was on for so fucking long. Yeah. Oh it's on for so is it still on? Please tell me it's not still on. I'm gonna look this up. It's still on. No way. <laughs> <laughs> it's been running since the 60s, essentially. Oh my god. Oh my god. It's like oh. literally one of the but then that would make sense for um Demi because she happened to like have like an appearance on one of the longest running um shows ever. I know that in her case, like just because um you know, like Mars is like open enemies, right? And yeah. I feel like she's had like during her upbringing, she had a lot of difficult relationships with, you know, her biological father um, and men that her mom was dating Oof. and things like that. Yeah. So, yeah. I have to make a correction. George Clooney was an ER, not General Hospital. So no, they're not. I they were not co-stars, <laughs> but very similar. <laughs> yeah, health-related shows. He played the doc. He played a doctor. He played a hot doctor, of course. Of course, he did. <laughs> um, you know, on your Tony Romo example, I'm just like remembering that he remember when he dated Jessica Simpson. Yes. And remember when. <laughs> Remember when people were getting mad because it was like, I guess the Cowboys started losing whenever she would go to games. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like looking now at like, um, <laughs> um, I'm looking at, because this would be a case of more hidden enemies, right? It was obviously Jessica oh Simpson, so I wouldn't have an open enemy. And he has his, he has his, as a Pisces rising, he has his 12th house ruled by um, Saturn, Saturn and that's Saturn's in his seventh house. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's funny. Very I felt funny. like everybody was excited about him. And then, like, when that happened, it's like everybody turned on him like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like third deck and Leo placements kind of have that. It's like, you know, your back's against the wall and you're, like, cornered. Yeah, no, we we both have our Mars and Leo in that deck. Yeah, so. and I have mine in the sixth house. And I'm just like, oh, my God. So, um, yeah, no, for me, it's just been, like, having an insane work ethic like i will literally drag myself through the mud to get something done it's actually ridiculous um but for me like when the sun was transiting my mars i made the decision to um basically like quit my lab <laughs> because i was tired of like the you know the lack of resources the mistreatment etc yeah not just not just like towards me but in fact like it was worse towards other people so yeah. it was like this is not for me wow um another thing that i noticed is um oh for demi Moore, like because she had that her second house ruler in joy um she was like considered one of the highest paid um actresses yes um, yeah 
like ever i mean she has a shit ton of planets and joy so that does help but it was nice that um mars was like getting that sort of like recognition if you will yes um also isn't um george clooney also like pretty well decorated for his acting or at least well compensated definitely well compensated i'm trying to think if he got something for um oh my god i cannot i i saw the movie and everything and i like do not remember um he's in too many things so it's just like i assume he's in everything yeah he isn't so much and yet like i'm like wait but i have a hard time naming even one (laughs) yeah and he still he still acts like he has like upcoming movies still he directs too so it's like yeah yeah damn well oh he's also very like political and um he's always clowning the republican party love it (laughs) like overtly and i noticed like something else you'll see is people who are um really controversial and like to be provocative um so it's funny that people like him and i think it'll like amuse you when we get to the libra mars examples oh my god Uh, i'm so excited you know so yeah yeah like how intense like yeah um do we want to go to the virgo mars examples yes and i you know before we jump into it like it stood out to me that like all the examples of the women that we chose in here are to me, this screams Virgo Mars in its joy of just like this like archetype of like the woman who has to just like compensate for just like a bunch of mostly male incompetence, <laughs> like just yeah. very behind the scenes like type work. Like like we, we, let's maybe we could do Amber Rose maybe first. This is one I example love because it's her chart ruler conjunct Venus, which is bringing up <laughs> some of what we talked about earlier, having that sort of irreverent like intensity and i love how it's funny like how in the examples um mars was considered whoring or slutting and it's funny because a lot of people project their you know insecurities about her owning her sexuality oh yeah and it's funny how she's just constantly getting dogpiled on but however like you know she has she has her like you know annual slut walk where she's like okay like we're gonna push back against people's you know assumptions about how women should be how women should own their sexuality um this that and the third i also feel like the way that she commands her sexuality has put her in positions to like you know be a model be like a brand ambassador um things like that and like she's like just because she's in that second decade like i see why she was amused for people like kanye yeah and and on that right there was a very recent interview she did where she talks about how she influenced a lot of kanye's career including including the decision to include Nicki minaj in monster and (laughs) and that then kanye got kind of upset afterward because he was like what the fuck like she stole the show on my track (laughs) which is very kanye but yeah yeah but yeah amber rose just recently did that interview so i was just thinking about that a lot of like oh it's now coming out that she she helped kanye with a lot of even just his own career stuff but we're only hearing about it now of course of course kanye is never going to talk about it um lin-manuel miranda 
uh, you know, the person we love to clown for like, you know, um, making Hamilton like fun for people because it's like, you know, American colonialism and exceptionalism, but in black and brown face. I mean, <laughs> don't get me wrong. That Hamilton um, soundtrack is a bop. <laughs> um, but I mean, let's call a state a spade. Um, and yeah, so it's funny because his Mars is retrograde and it's it's in a wide conjunction with Jupiter. And Ju- it's funny because Jupiter rules his ninth, um, which I feel like is like, you know, screenwriting, playwriting, etc. And it's funny because like, I feel like the way that Hamilton was written is that it's kind of like a... It's meant to kind of be like a subversion of like a lot of these things. And I think that if you think about a lot of his um, work as like a playwright, I think he's like using, um, you know, representation of minorities, specifically um, people in like the um, Caribbean Hispanic community, because, you know, he's from Puerto Rico um, as a lot of his subjects Mm. and, you know, depicting a lot of their struggles, experiences, etc., um yeah i feel like that's very evident in a lot of his uh work as like a playwright uh but you know what because of that he like again is pretty well rewarded um he's always being like booked and busy for projects um stuff like that true um one of my examples, Aisha Taylor, and she's most known for voicing Lana Kane in Archer. And, you know, for those who haven't watched Archer, it's an animated comedy, but the characters, for the most part, are meant to look like the actors who are voicing them. And I would argue are also very likely meant to also just be personality, like have some it's personality. It's literally her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But she, you know, she, again, she plays this, like, just a very, very competent, like, super spy who has to often be partnered with Archer, who is just, like, a nepotism baby in this, like, super secret agency that overall is all actually is, like, is just full of just, like, shenanigans and, like, incompetency. But she's, like, kind of really, it seems like she's the only one who actually really knows what she's doing as far as, like, super secret spy stuff goes. I also love the super secret spy stuff because it's the ruler of the eighth and the sixth as well. And like that's one of her <laughs> most notable roles. Yes, yes. Oh my god, that's such a good point. I love it. <laughs> uh, and then we have what? Tessa Thompson? Yeah, Tessa Thompson has this Mars and Virgo one with both Mercury and Moon co-present. So she has this like three planets, Stellium and Virgo in the sixth. And I do think that it's interesting that some of her most notable roles are playing activists, um, such as Dear White People and Selma. And um, and yeah, I also like that she played Valkyrie and she plays Valkyrie still in the Thor series where, um, again, just like kind of like leading like, you know, this warlike figure who's like, you know, in battle with these like comrades and that a lot of her origin or backstory is just lose like every single Valkyrie was killed in a battle against Hela, um, the goddess of war, and that she's really like the only survivor of that. Um, but and yeah, and then yeah, what after and then after the after Ragnarok, it seems like again she's like kind of playing this character who like she had to pick Thor like all back up from when he was like, <laughs> you know, um, falling apart and all that, and then and then running and then running new Asgard on Earth, <laughs> like she's like the mayor. <laughs> oh my god, I love 
<laughs> okay, we can hop to um, we can hop to uh, Libra Mars, and okay. so I think it's funny that Nikola Tesla is a Libra Mars with uh, Mars conjoined um, the Moon and uh, K two the South Node um, in the second decade. And it's funny because, you know, he is basically the guy that Edison stole from. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's the guy that Edison stole from. I mean, which is quite literal because it's like you're someone who has like, I would say like rivals or seventh house-y. Mm-hmm. But he could also be sixth house-y. Like, you know, he's someone who has a lot of, um, you know, he created a lot of the things that um, basically make a lot of electricity possible. Um He's the namesake of Tesla because, you know, he was so, such an, um, he had this ingenuity, but like people, I feel like really took advantage of him. Oh yeah. And I mean, he did end up like poor, like at the end of his life and like what miserable. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's so loud. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I, 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 it stands out to me too. Like, I'm not, I don't remember the full backstory around what had happened with Edison, other than, yeah, I mean, I, I know Edison, like, it stole those patents, but they were working together, right? Yeah, and so just thinking, just thinking that, okay, that means like his, um, yeah, this, this, this Mars is in his sixth house ruling. Sorry, no, no, no. My bad. His Mars in, is in the sixth house it's ruling, cool. like the seventh and the twelfth, have like yeah. both hidden and open enemies. <laughs> it's like okay, like yeah, like Edison was secretly scheming like this entire time while they're working together, stealing these, and then ended up stealing these patents. Yeah. Oh, also there was a time um, during World War One where. Um, the British had cut the telegraph cable between the U.S. and Germany so that, like, the two countries couldn't talk. Because remember, like, you know, a lot of Europe is at war with Germany at this point. <laughs> and um, I think that there was, like, um, like there were some issues with um, trying to sue some German companies for trying to basically, like, um, I guess, use, like, I guess the Tesla company's like wireless or like wired communication stuff. And there was like a lawsuit that was going on between them. So I think of like the seventh house as like legal matters. And it's funny how like there were certain things um, where, you know, like basically some of his inventions were um, at the subject of some disputes between maybe some companies in Europe versus the U- U.S. government and vice versa. So, like, I thought that was really um, interesting. Wow. Yeah. Lawsuits over patents. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, what else do we have here? We have Rick Perry on here. <laughs> Rick Perry, the governor of Texas. And I thought, like, didn't Trump appoint him as, like... Secretary of Energy. Yeah. yeah. So I thought that was... Um, pretty loud um god it's funny that we just talked about tesla and then now it's like okay yeah rick perry was the secretary of energy under trump which um, it sounded like he i mean my like i have to like look more into it but i i know that a lot got scaled back around climate change mm-hmm. um yeah. during those four years right god 
Yeah. Um, and I like also it's funny that he was the governor of um, Texas, which is funny because, you know, Texas is like a state that does produce like quite a bit of um, oil. Yes. Um, so like that was pretty um, interesting to me. Oh, my God. He used to be a Democrat. In the fuck? <gasps> And he like went to the, the 80s. The dark the 80s. side. Wow. Yeah, he used to support Gore, lol. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Oh, because of Reagan, he became a Republican. God. What? You said, I didn't know this. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't know that. I didn't, I, know, that. I I didn't know that either. God. Um, you know what else? Like, I think. Uh, wait, was he president when? No, sorry. Was he a uh, governor of Texas when Obama was president? I believe so. Right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm just thinking. Yeah. No, this guy's like nuts, and um, obviously he's like in the NRA's pocket, so like Marshmallow's weapons. God. Of course. Um he yeah, I don't know. I just also think it's funny that um you know his enemy made him in charge of um you know the energy of the country. Like that feels uh pretty loud to me. <laughs> yeah. I do. I do remember. So he, um, he actually, he he did try to run for president in 2012, but it really like, yeah. Oh, and and then, oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. There it is. It was his 2016 run. Now I'm remembering that was like a little bit more, um, viable, but clearly, obviously, went nowhere because Trump won. But. <laughs> Yeah, and under his tenure as Secretary of Energy, um, there was a week in November 2018 where the U.S. was exporting more oil than it was importing. <laughs> and so, yes, a lot of the rollback of climate change, and I think his Mars is with Neptune, and I know some people associate Neptune with uh, oil. Wow, yeah. So, like, I think it's kind of funny that that's his life i wonder if he has like secret deep pocket connections to like oil and gas probably well if he was governor of texas for that long absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. gross and then finally we have jake paul youtube personality who i think along with his brother is trying to get into fighting boxing so, no way what yeah him and his brother have been like setting up all these fights with like different um people who are actually like boxers yeah okay now i'm i am vaguely recalling this like who did he fight recently that he got like knocked out by i fucking can't remember and i can't remember who he fought or whose brother fought like but and a lot of it's gone viral like basically like his attempts him and his brother's attempts to like be boxers like it's kind of weird <laughs> it's so fucking weird what yeah. <laughs> yeah oops okay so next we have scorpio mars yes um so can i say that it was interesting that like nick cannon and mandy moore both have this mars and i remember like in the early 2000s the chokehold they had on like <laughs> yeah oh that's like, so funny all those fucking movies 
he had like wild and out and he was doing all these movies like i just remember the chokehold they had on like media and out of all the the, these girl solo artists you know like she was the Mm -hmm. only one who really went unscathed as far as like you know like Britney had her meltdown and then Christina got like really like you know like criticized for being like more of the bad girl and then Jessica Simpson had her shitty reality TV show Um, but yeah Mandy actually like you know got to steer clear of just like a lot of controversy yeah no Nick Cannon too I was like surprised I was like wow no this guy literally had so his Wild and Out show is literally like a whole like platform dedicate like I'm just saying this for like the Gen Zers who may be listening amongst us <laughs> and don't know what it is. Um, it's basically like a fun show where people like are all on teams and there's usually like a special like guest who's like famous, and they all literally are just there trash talking each other and pranking each other. Like that's the whole point. <laughs> yes, and it was fun to watch. <laughs> it was really fun to watch. Just saying. Yes, I did. That is that's so funny. It's such a good point. <laughs> um, Charlie Sheen, um, of course, has oh his um, Mars and Scorpio one, like peak Mars conjunct Neptune. And <laughs> I think of the fact that, like, I know he had that like whole like era where like he had this fall from grace, essentially, where like he basically went off the rails and was just doing all this crazy stuff. Mm-hmm um but also like i just think of his character on um two and a half men mm-hmm. who's also just this kind of like sleazy um you know problematic character which is basically him right yeah but, like maybe a little more tame <laughs> somehow like tamer than real charlie sheen yeah yeah yeah, but those have also those have tended to be the types of roles that he played, and yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but he really laid low after that, right? Because I'm just trying to think of like, because he he he, there was just so much going on, like, and then it was later revealed many years later that I guess he got he got diagnosed with HIV during that period, which yeah. might be why he just started like really like wilding out. Yeah. Yeah, but you also have. Well, I, I could go into my what like the one example I had for Scorpio Mars is Dorothy Day, who is an was an activist who is most known for involvement with the Catholic Workers Union, which mm-hmm. did a lot of nonviolent disobedience actions for the poor. Um, being a Catholic, of course, pro-life, and what I found interesting, because um, you, when you were reading the Valens significa- significations, I thought of her chart, um, but she had converted, she wasn't, she wasn't born and raised Catholic, she converted to Catholicism because she had a baby despite thinking that she was sterile now because she had she had had an abortion and so really viewed this as kind of like you know this miraculous yeah it's like a miracle that it's like a second chance like that kind of thing and so she converted to catholicism because of that and you had mentioned yeah one of those balance significations is abortions um okay so i will give my last example which is like uh kim davis so this is the woman who like was a clerk in Kentucky, I think, if I remember correctly, who right after um, gay marriage was made uh, legal by the Supreme Court, she was denying them 
marriage licenses. And I thought that that was literal because, you know, when I think of the second decade of Scorpio, I think of like, you know, people trying to come together and you have this third party like getting in the way. Um, yeah. So I thought that was pretty loud. Damn. I have my descendant um, in that Deccan, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay, so Stag Mars, which is fun because it's so for Cancer Risings, this would be the ruler of the fifth and the tenth. <laughs> I love how we have like people who like do vaguely like performative musical things. So like John Travolta, Rachel Zelger, Jack Black. The new... <laughs> yeah, Jack Black, um, Judy Garland. <laughs> Um, but then we have controversial people like Tucker Carlson. Yes. <laughs> and he has his opposite um, Mercury. Of course. Um, Mercury rules what? Like the 12th and the 3rd. Yeah, and he's basically just like a mouthpiece um, trying to get people outraged about um, hidden enemies that may or may not exist. Yeah, and completely doing it in this way where he's just like, I'm just posing questions. Just, just you know, like, just saying things, you know, but never, like, he's kind of playing that whole game of just like, but I'm not really saying that thing. But, you know, just posing this thing. Yeah. It's annoying. Um, it's super annoying. <laughs> um, let's see. Um, I, I know that Judy Garland, I know she also struggled with... Um, didn't she struggle with drug addiction as well or something or was it mental illness i can't remember uh, could be both i don't yeah i don't remember too much it was one or the other um for her um the reason i say that is because it's also like um the ruler of the fifth which you know a lot of those substances would um be ruled by the fifth mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in the um in the sixth um, let me see. Oh, uh, yeah. And so uh, coming back to this, the idea of like, you know, open enemies, like, it's funny because she's someone who struggled a lot with like her appearance, mm. um, especially because she, um, and she did have, um, what's it called? Because like she was constantly put under pressure to look a certain way. Yeah. And she was criticized for not looking perfect. Even though when you look at pictures of her, she's like beautiful. Yeah. So like um and she did have like a substance use disorder. Um mm. and thinking about the fact that the sun rules her second and it's opposite this like Mars, like yes, she was like in a lot of critically acclaimed films and like you know, she won some great awards and things. Um, you know, this constant need to perform, this constant need to be like this particular, um, to look a certain way, to be a certain way, like was really damaging to how she viewed herself. And like, it ultimately um, led to her demise and like eventually would cause issues for her financially. Wow. So, yeah. Huh. I mean, but she's also Mars in a day chart, so... Yeah. Um, let's see. Do you want to do Cap Mars? Yeah. Which? These are all good examples. Which one do you want to start with? 
I mean, I can start with Prince Andrew. (laughs) (laughs) Another Venus conjunct Mars. And our boy just got in trouble for um, being associated with a um, billionaire pedophile um, who's trafficking young women. And I think about the fact that, you know, his Mars is like, I think it's pretty close to Mag's exaltation conjoined Venus. Um, and he is somebody who has like an insane amount of privilege. I also think about the fact that um, Mars rules um, his family, but also his parents. So um, the fourth house. And I think about the fact that um, a lot of his um, reputation is propped up by his family just because uh, Venus rules his uh, 10th house. Oh yeah. Yeah. Is, um, so he had his Venus and his Mars return earlier mm-hmm. this year really when, <laughs> and that and they stayed conjoined for like mm-hmm. the entirety of like that rest of like that Capricorn, um, like of its time in Capricorn. I'm like, did, mm-hmm. did anything happen to him during that time with so Epstein he stuff? he ended up settling for, I think it was 12 million pounds or something. He ended up settling out of court. He ended up settling because, um, and I think there's questions about whether, um, the queen, i.e. the taxpayers of the United Kingdom are paying for his settlement. Oh my God. Yeah, you're right. That did happen in February, 2022. Uh Holy shit. Yep. Yep. Wow. Wow. (laughs) I noticed, so you, you put Frida Kahlo too. As an mm-hmm. example, um, so she has this Mars and Capricorn too, um, retrograde and conjoined Uranus and opposing this stellium that she has. And I, I think this is pretty loud too. Um, it makes me, you know, on just the six house significations of illness and injury, right? She had a really horrific accident when she was like 17, I think, that mm-hmm. ended up really, it dashed her dreams of becoming a doctor, <laughs> which again, mm. is also coming up again. Um, but because she was like bedridden for so long, like it really got her to take up painting, which mm. is what she's most famous for now. Um I, I do think it's been interesting that it's been coming up lately um, that she was, you know, she's been kind of upheld as like this, like, like Latina icon, but it's like, I, I've been seeing a lot more posts lately about like, oh, but you know, but she was also extremely privileged and it, it's interesting that it's coming up and that, that Mars yes. rules her fourth house. And it's not that that was ever a secret or anything like she, like she her. Questions of her ancestry, yeah, and how well that's represented. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like the whole her performing indigeneity, you know, at the expense of likely indigenous women who were taking care of her. Yeah, right. No, that that for sure has come up. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we have Steph Curry, of course, <laughs> who's considered the goat. Which, um, you know, I as much as I don't like lebron james as a person (laughs) i think lebron is a better player than steph curry (laughs) but (laughs) you know steph has like quite a few championships under his belt and he is a pretty good player but like 
LeBron's a little better. <laughs> and I, I hate saying that. <laughs> and it's funny that he has this cap Mars um, in a deck in that Mars co-rules. Yeah. So, like his, his athleticism is like insane. He is very good. And, you know, the fact that he has so many championships under his belt, I think I'm, I'm not that into basketball, but, you know, many can argue too. He, he he's he, he's just got a good team overall as well. It just That's makes true. me think a lot about that that um, Capricorn 2 being all about collaboration too. It's not, mm, it's not solo yeah. efforts. Totally. 100%. Yeah. yeah. He's always got a good team around him. Yeah. Okay. Aquarius. Um, of course, I have um, George Foreman. Haha. Ha. Um, <laughs> he's like what a boxer, um, but is now most very known for the grill. <laughs> literally, the grill. And I find it funny <laughs> that like his Mars is conjoined his chart ruler <laughs> with like Saturn in Virgo on his ascendant, and I'm like, oh my god, he like pivoted from being a pretty well-known boxer to um literally selling people contraptions they can use in their kitchen i okay again for the gen zers listening the george foreman grill and you might have seen memes about this but i've seen memes that say like the george foreman grill was for millennials what air fryers are now for like it is (laughs) it so is i swear to god like the like the image of the george foreman grill like is embedded in to my brain <laughs> i cannot forget those commercials ever. oh my god i had one and i had one in college it's just it was so, i know it's like it was like the perfect college cooking contraption when you're like you don't you don't really know how to cook yet you don't want to cook yet or you're too hungover to cook so you just pop it in the george foreman grill no we need to bring that back honestly we yeah back. they're so they're so useful i think my parents had one for a bit and I remember them using it sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I mean, people should Google this if you have no idea what a George Foreman grill was. But they're they're pretty compact, which is like the it's not like a grill. It's not like a gigantic like charcoal like grill. Mm-mm. It's like these like little compact grills that were very handy. <laughs> oh, was that Jeff? Um, it was. I heard her. I was like, oh, yeah, just for a split <laughs> second, but she's gone again. <laughs> Um, the next example is Bobby Jindal, who has his Mars in the second decan of Aquarius. And I remember he was the governor of um, Louisiana for a bit. And I do remember he tried to run for president. I think it was 2012. Yeah, it was 2012. He tried to run. Um, but I remember he's just like, it's funny because, you know, most people think of conservatives as like, just random white people but it's like no this is a brown man oh, of yeah. South Asian descent like having these very um controversial or like inflammatory views about things and so yeah I forgot about I forgot about Bobby Jindal because I almost feel like like um what's her name oh my god um N- Nikki Haley kind Nikki of took Haley. over as like the Republicans like token indian american yeah Yeah. we even haven't heard about her in a while (laughs) yeah last time i heard about her was uh maybe last year i don't remember why or no i remember her saying some stupid stuff about um 
Ukraine oh, uh, earlier this year. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of my examples was Nicholas Copernicus, who has Mars in Aquarius 3. And right before he died, and it's speculated that he did this because he knew this was going to be very, very controversial, but he published um, <laughs> essentially what he what ended up becoming like the model of the universe, right? Like this heliocentric model that we also now know was based on text from Greek astronomers. <laughs> like this wasn't a wholly new idea that this, that everything revolves around the sun, but anyway, he published it and it just like, and then he passed and then it just called like a great deal of controversy um, and what people now dub the Copernican revolution. And so I think that just really tracks with, mars in aquarius in the sixth house like it's a different kind of revolution that we've been mm -hmm. talking about it's like a scientific revolution yeah yeah and then you have emma watson as your last yeah i have emma watson so she has um she has mars in aquarius three with rahuko present and she's most known for playing hermione granger in harry potter and i especially thought of in um, the Prisoner of Azkaban, when she's given the time turner to um, so that she could take way more classes than she really should have been taking and be in multiple places at once and times <laughs> once, seemed very um, Seven of Swords to me, which is the card associated with this Deccan. <laughs> Ooh, like weren't um, <coughs> weren't people like also like mad at her for like. Um... I feel like people were mad at her for something. I can't remember what, though. I wonder if it had... I don't remember. Because I know, like, she could be, like, somewhat, like, politically minded or activistic. Yeah, she's, like, been very outspoken as being, like, a feminist. Um, so yeah. I wonder if it had to do with anything, like, around that. Of just, mm. like... Um, I mean, it's good. Don't get me wrong. Like, I, I want, I want people to identify as feminists, but I know with celebrities too, there's often a distrust for how genuine it really yeah. is, or how performative um, activism is for celebrities these days. Yeah. Yeah. But. Okay. Last but not least, Pisces. Yes. So this is for what? Um, Libra ascendants. Yes. And so we have. Denzel Washington kind of has low-key the same vibe as uh, George Clooney. They just have that, like, I could charm you and convince you of anything while I rob you blind energy. Yeah, like, like even his character on Training Day, right? Being this, like, seemingly mm -hmm. legitimate, legitimate cop who is not. <laughs> yeah. You know, American Gangster, mm -hmm. um, Malcolm X, like, he literally is just always playing these like activistic or criminal characters that are like really intense but like because of like i feel like because of the piscean nature of his mars they're like weirdly like inspirational like it's a, it's a very charismatic inspirational intense for sure yeah yeah and of course he's always like heavily nominated for his uh you know his roles mm-hmm Mm -hmm. so it's a good example so wait like i'm curious because like i know he met his wife like in um while he was doing his like acting like i forget like he, he met her somewhere and then like i think she stopped acting or something really 
Yeah. Huh. I know. And, like, they've been married ever since. I know. Yeah. I know that's one thing he's known for is just being one of those few people in Hollywood who's been married once and I guess like still in that marriage and that it's like been a long time and seems happy at least from what we could see. Wait, let me see. Oh my God. They've been married for like almost 40 years. That's impressive for Hollywood. It really, it really, really is. Yeah. I know he gets touted a lot as like this positive example of like, oh, a man in Hollywood who is just very loyal and faithful to his wife. Yeah. And then like something I noticed about some of the um, people who have Mars in uh, Joy is that a lot of them have causes that are near and dear to their heart that they, um, you know, actively do like work for and like, you know, join these like organizations and are like a part of. So like he gives back a lot to like Boys and Girls Clubs of America. Um, He does a lot of philanthropic work for children. I know that um, Mark Zuckerberg's wife had a lot of that for herself too. And then I think for him, um, he actually got um, made an honorary sergeant uh, major by the army um at some point i think it was last year actually so well <clears throat> because he's like constantly honoring like you know the military i guess i don't hmm. know but that feels loud <laughs> yeah um who else do we have uh i'm trying to figure out where to place debbie reynolds though i'm not sure how much of the things in her bio are the Pisces. I don't know too much about them. Did um, Debbie Reynolds? Aside from the fact that she is um, Carrie Fisher's mother, <clears throat> I mean, she's also a heavily. Um, I did. I did not know that actually. Was. No, she is. Yeah, no, she's her. Not. She's her mom. Yeah. Um, uh. I mean, she's like a, again, well-decorated actress, well-awarded. I mean, she has been married quite a few times. (laughs) (laughs) Which is, you know, that that Mars in her sixth house rules her seventh, right? Or no, 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 no. Sorry. That's that's wrong. Yes. Yes. You're right. So she's been married like quite a few times. But you know what? Even though she's been like heavily decorated in a lot of these films, she kind of had issues with like the the people directing her. Mm. Like on one of the um, films that she worked on, that um, she was nominated for an Academy Award for. Yeah. Um, the director was like, "I don't like how you're playing the role," um, and he wanted somebody else in the role. And then, like, he eventually, like, changed his mind and was like, sorry, I was, like, wrong. You're actually doing this right. I I wonder if that speaks to, like, that Mars, like, having triplicity, being in its own term, and being in its own decade. Ooh, yeah. Oh, that's such a good example. Huh. Yeah, which is comical. I okay, so I have two examples for this Pisces Mars. So the psychoanalyst Eric Fromm has his Mars in Pisces too. So mm-hmm. he is most known for writing. Um, so his, uh, two of f- works of his are Art of Loving and then Sane Society. But what he like really was like looking into was just like the psychology of 
like why do people gravitate toward authoritarian and support authoritarian regimes and so um sane society is one that i'm actually like reading right now where he talks also about like um in a society that's already insane due to capitalism like how how can you then like label people as insane like are are people who are labeled as insane in an insane society actually like really sane (laughs) or um you know like what 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 can be the parameters of sanity in like an insane Mm -hmm. um in a very insane society and so um it's a good book so far um I do think it's interesting that like a lot of his work is actually rooted in his, so he's Jewish and um, or he was mm-hmm. Jewish and a lot of it was rooted in his interpretations of the Talmud and um, Hasidism. And mm-hmm. so um, to me, that's very loud on the Pisces. Um, and um, you know, on, so he was a very, very like strong active Zionist up until end of like later in his life, he actually ended up changing mm-hmm. his views on this. But I, I wanted to list this even as an example, like when we're talking about activism, like it's, it includes like all sides of the it spectrum includes of that. people who are like reactionary, maybe yep. wanting to benefit at the expense of other people, like. Yep. Exactly. Mars wants to throw hands for anything. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, so that's Eric Fromm. And then my last example is Audrey Lord has her Mars here in Pisces too, with um with Mercury co-present. And I um just a fun fact, Audrey Lord actually like studied astrology or was into astrology, but um, but um because she's born on I hate using this word the cusp, but she is born on a day where it's like she thought this whole time she was a Pisces sun, I guess. And she's actually an Aquarius sun at like the anoretic degree, but she has these, she has these two planets in Pisces. And so um, it's not surprising to me that she still identified very strongly with the Pisces archetype, but anyway, you know, a lot of her work is on the inner in on theories again, just kind of similar to Eric Throm, like um, from, but her theories were around intersectionality and feminism mm-hmm. and sexuality and I also thought it was worth noting that she wrote the cancer journals about her 14-year battle with breast cancer that unfortunately ended with her dying of breast cancer. And mm-hmm. that work is considered like possibly the the first chronicle like of like like a memoir of someone just writing about like an illness and that mm-hmm. we kind of take it for granted now because in the world of social media where people are becoming more and more open about their cancer diagnoses or other kinds of chronic illness diagnoses and chronicling it in blogs or on social media um but yeah for 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 audrey laura to do this in the 80s and the 90s was no, no one had really done that up until that point so that to me really speaks like very loud with these successive significations <clears throat> yeah no it's very loud um but no we we covered a lot of examples and Whew, yeah i'm just like it, i felt like we were going through a marathon and like just thinking about like all the different people that we talked about like i don't know like what would be some like key take-home themes i guess like obviously people who are very passionate about a cause or people who become symbolic or an emblem of a cause I or in, or inspire or like cause yeah. um you know a revolution or a rebellion of sorts yeah 
I think that came up a lot in examples, whether it's like the actual person <laughs> or actors playing that role. Yeah, obviously, like great athleticism, people who have like a lot of ingenuity or invention uh, come up a lot. Um, also, there was like surprisingly more so than the Venus episode. I feel like there were lots more tones related to sexuality or undertones related to it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I, and I do think um, struggles with illness and addiction um, did mm-hmm. come up. I actually don't think I emphasized them enough, even in my examples, because I do did have several examples where I didn't even mention that, like, oh, this and this person passed away from um, you know this illness or this um overdose or that um mm-hmm. some of it too is like i also don't want people listening to this and get scared that like oh a six house like mars is gonna cause this stuff obviously there's way more to like a reason <coughs> chart right. about that right. but that did come up a bit for, i mean like, you could be a workaholic instead which is not good either yeah a killer it really is it um, really is and yeah that that's a, that's another thing that did come up with a lot of these folks mm-hmm. was just like uh really strong work ethic but also potentially overdoing it overdoing it yeah for sure um but yeah no this was really fun to do pal and i can't wait to do jupiter <gasps> oh wait no we're doing the sun next. the sun <gasps> you're right i keep forgetting about the sun i know in the ninth <laughs> i'm excited about those um because i think i I think I know oh quite, I, I have a, quite a few people in my personal life who have um, the sun in its joy, my mom being one. <laughs> I, I know quite a few people as well with that rejoicing sun. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it'll be good to talk about the sun and its subtle maleficence um, <laughs> next week. Or not next week, fuck, the brain. <laughs> brain, I know. I don't know about you, but when these these big ingre- ingresses happen, happen. like mm-hmm. I get real foggy and just yeah, and like... disoriented because it's just, just such a shift of energy. But even so, like yeah. I'm excited to talk about the ninth house and to contrast it with the third. Um, that would be great because then it's us starting the diurnal planets. <gasps> yes, yeah, yeah, love it. I'm excited. <laughs> Okay, we'll catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Bye.